we adore you, Father. We ask that this morning you enlighten us. Flood us with a revelation knowledge of Jesus. And that through knowledge and understanding, we will have a walk with him. And we thank you. Our yearning is that we may know you and know you more by the day. We thank you, Lord, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, please be seated. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. All right, so uh, attend to your neighbor and tell the neighbor, you look good. Hallelujah. All right, so um, you should have your notebooks, your, your diaries, your pens, and your Bibles. Are you ready for the word? No, you don't look like you're ready for the word. Are you ready for the word? Yes. If you don't respond well, I won't preach you. Are you ready for the word? Yes. You sure? Yes. Glory to God. All right, so um, this morning I'm teaching on um, a very sensitive um, subject which I believe has quite been lost in the body of Christ. And I believe it will go a long way to shape your life. Are you changing the position? Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, I'm teaching on the consequences of sin. You know, I, I, I realize there's no excitement on your face, but that doesn't change the subject for today. Hallelujah. I've always been telling you that I'm a pastor, not an ice cream seller. So I can't always make you happy. Hallelujah. Now, um, we need to understand this subject very well. You know, sometimes people teach on sin and by the time you leave, you feel you're already in hell. And due to such... Uh, judgmental, critical teaching, people have now become more seared in rebellion because they are like, hey, hey, hey. Now, you know, you can beat a child to a certain point where warning the child doesn't scare the child again. You've been there before, right? The, those of you who were rebellious when you were growing. And it's the same in a growth journey. There can be a time where you hear judgmental hell, uh, hell hot messages that by the time you, you can listen to them over and over and then a, a time comes it doesn't hell doesn't scare you again you don't give a hell about hell praise god i believe this subject must be handled with a lot of maturity and understanding especially with understanding of the new covenant there is a way we teach this thing. We teach it how the New Testament handled it. Not how the Old Testament prophets handled it. Hallelujah. And the reason why we must handle subjects like this 
the way it was handled in the New Testament is because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm teaching on the consequences of sin. And every believer must understand that though salvation was a gift, salvation is also an investment. Though salvation is a gift, it, it is also an investment. The Bible tells us that a man, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who went to seek precious pearls. And the Bible says, when he found that land that was filled with precious pearls, he did not buy the pearls. He bought the whole field. And paid for the entire field. Why? Because when he owns a land that is full of precious spells, he can do good business. When God saw the sons of men, though we were in sin because of Adam, yet God still saw a precious spell in us. And God decided to purchase the whole field, which is speaking of the whole world. So Jesus became the payment plan. So God traded Jesus Christ because he saw you as a pair. And his goal was that you being a precious pair will become a very good investment for him. That means in his heart by the business or the trade or transaction he did in redemption, he expects or sees that there will be profit in the long run. Are you seeing that? So when you understand salvation this way, you don't just get excited that you are going to heaven. That's for babies. Babies are fascinated about the fact that I am born again. I am eternally secure. My sins are forgiven. Yes, they are truths that establishes you in the faith. But you cannot carry on moving like that. Praise God. So salvation is what? An investment. Bible tells us in 1st John 3 that his seed remained in us. That means in salvation God planted a seed. That means he's expecting fruit from that life he gave to you. So God wants to enjoy fruit. Bible tells us that Jesus said I am the vine, ye are the branches. Unfortunately the vine itself does not bear fruit. It's the branch that bears fruit. So Jesus expects the child of God to bear fruit. And that fruit is revealed in your conduct as well. Because many people have not understood that salvation is a tripartite reality. What I mean by that is that salvation is three-dimensional. It is spirit, soul, and body. Jesus died 
to save you spirit, soul, and body because you were corrupted spirit, soul, and body. Seeing corrupted man, spirit, soul, and body. Remember I said man is a spirit, he has a soul, he lives in the body. By your spirit, you are able to commune with God. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And your body is the seat of the five senses through which your spirit is able to make contact with the physical world. So when sin came, man's spirit was muted. His spirit separated from God, which is actually spiritual death. Spiritual death is not in existence. Spiritual death is separation from God. When a man separates from God, that man is considered dead. Praise God. A, a, a leaf is considered dead when it, con it, when it disconnects from the tree. And it's just a matter of time. That's what happened. Man disconnected from God. So he began to wither. Are you seeing that? So his spirit muted. He was separated from God. His soul, which is a makeup of his mind, will, and emotion, was corrupted by the influence of sin. So his mind was corrupted. His will was co corrupted. So his decisions were out of selfishness now. And his emotions was also now corrupted by wrong desires, which is generally termed as lust. Then his body became mortal. So God's plan was not just to save your spirit. His goal is to save your spirit, soul, and body. Are you seeing that? But there is a process. God loves process. He doesn't rush for anything. The reason why when you got born again, you were not just snatched into heaven is because God is working with timing. Praise God. So in the redemption plan, God's plan is to redeem you spirit, soul, and body. So this spirit that got born again is truly born again. It's a new creation. But you see, you don't see born again written on the face of, of anybody. But a man that has believed Jesus Christ is saved. He's what? Saved. His spirit man has been regenerated. Regene. That means he has received new genes from God. But the problem is that his soul is now in the process of being saved. How? By the renewing of his mind. Because your, your soul is a makeup of your mind, your will, and your emotion. So Christ, you, you have the very image of Christ. But that image is not fully imprinted in your soul. So all the bad thoughts you had before salvation is still there. All that emotional problems that you have is still there. All that lasts, you know when I speak of lust, it's not just sexual lust. Lust for everything. Desires last. So all the wrong desires that you have there is still there. It didn't that one was not affected by born again. And if believers don't understand this, they will mess up their lives because they'll think that born again means that once I believe Jesus Christ, everything is sorted. No. So in currently we are left here on earth. To grow spiritually. And how do we grow spiritually? It's the process of allowing the word of God to renew and shape our thoughts. To influence our actions and influence our desires. So God's goal is that through the teaching of his word, the guidance of his spirit, we will become more like Christ, not only in our spirit, but we become more like Christ 
in our soulish realm which finds expression through our human body. You know, there are people who get to a place who say that what I do with my body doesn't matter because my spirit is where the body gate is. When you get to that place, you are, you are on your way landing into trouble for yourself. If man was corrupted spirit, soul, and body, and salvation is for spirit, soul, and body, that means God is concerned about what you do with your body. If not, God wouldn't have called your body his temple. God wouldn't have called your body his temple if your body didn't matter to God. In Romans chapter 12, the verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, my beloved, to by the mercies of God that you present. You see, God, you see, there are things God does for us in redemption and there are some things we do through the help of God to be able to enact the reality of redemption in our walk with God. So he says, you present. So God doesn't present your body to himself. You present your body to him. So he says, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, there's a difference between how the life of the Old Testament and that of the New Testament. And I'll tell you. In the Old Testament, men offered dead sacrifices to God. They brought the animal, the animal was killed, and the animal was offered while dead. And the blood of the animal became the life that spoke temporarily for atonement. Now the Bible is saying, Christ has already died, he has risen from the dead. Now you are not to offer yourself as a dead sacrifice to God. Now the life you are living, once you are alive in Christ, it, says it should be a living sacrifice to God. And it should be presented. You present your body. When I say your body, every part of your being must be wholly presented. It must be yielded. So you yield yourself to God. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. How? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, in Amplified, he calls it your reasonable act of worship. That is how worship is beyond singing. Though singing is part of the activity of worship. Worship is a whole being activity. The life you live after church service is part of worship. This is a worship service. Yet, you see, worship service never ends. As long as your body is still functioning. Am I helping someone here? So, what you do with your body really matters. I'm teaching on the consequences of sin. But you see, in the verse 2, the Bible tells us how to present our bodies. And that's what the problem is. We, the problem we have in the body of Christ. We have people lambasting people for sin, but they don't teach people how sin was dealt with and how people should live in that understanding. He says, and be not conformed to the patterns of this world. So you cannot offer or present your body to God when you have conformed or you are complying to the theology of the world. Praise God. The world has a system of thinking, a system of belief. And a believer 
who is constantly conforming and complying to the system of belief or the theology of the world or the system of thinking and acting. A believer who complies can never present his body. So he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there must, there must need be a transformation before there can be a presentation. How does the transformation come? By the renewing of your mind. So that tells you how powerful your mind is when it is renewed and when it is not renewed. It is still powerful on both ways. When your mind is not renewed, it is powerful to be, it is powerful to live anyhow. When your mind is renewed, you are transformed. The word transformed is from the Greek word metamorpho. From which we have the English word metamorphosis. It's a change in quality. To transform is to change. So you cannot change without changing your thinking. So this word transform, you know, it is how a, you know, a, a frog doesn't begin as a frog. Are you aware? It begins as a what? As what? I can't hear you as, as if you're not confident. No, someone said it here. I heard it. As a what? Huh? Thank you very much. You, you see? <laughs> anyway, let's continue. The frog first begins as a tadpole. And guess what? When it begins as a tadpole, it has a tail. The frog first began life by having a tail. As a tadpole. Then in the process, the, the, the tadpole transforms to be a frog. Now, when it transforms, it loses its tail. And that tail becomes four legs. That's transformation. How a caterpillar can transform to become a butterfly is the process of transformation. It's the same thing. A believer can change. He can transform. I'm telling you. And the Holy Spirit, through the renewal of your mind, with the capacity of God's word, can be able to transform any believer who is willing. It can change you. And the transformation is to become like Jesus. It is to become like who? Jesus is the ultimate goal. Don't we have Christ? Yes, we look like Christ on the inside. But that reality has not yet been crystallized in the heart and the soul of man. It first begins with the renew of your mind. That is how come you cannot joke with the word of God. Because the believer has three enemies. And I keep repeating that because repetition is one of the keys to understanding. Every believer has three enemies. It is good to know your enemies because if you know your enemies, you know how to walk. Imagine someone who claims loves you is an enemy and you, you keep walking with the person. One day you just die without knowing. So you must know your enemies. 
you have three major enemies. Your, your enemies are not human beings. So if you have a human enemy, I suspect your Christian life. Especially if that enemy is here. Then you're a wicked man. A, a woman. Your three enemies, you must constantly never forget. It's number one, the devil. And I'll give you scriptures for that. It's number one, the devil. First Peter chapter 5, the verse 8. He says, be sober. Be vigilant. You see, many Christians are not sober. The word sober means self-controlled or disciplined. The second word is be vigilant. Many Christians are not vigilant. You should be able to grow to the point that you become so alert. You know when this thing is an attack from the enemy. You know when this thing is about to change your prayer life. You know when, when, when this relationship is going. You know. You must be vigilant at all costs. Never lose God in your Christian life. The moment you detect this friend is misleading you, especially in your work with God, you must act. That's vigilance. And many Christians just walk like that. They just take anything for granted. He says, because, why do we need self-discipline and vigilance? He says, because your adversary. So we have to be vigilant because there's a devil. Who doesn't care about your age? He says, because your adversary who? The Bible has qualified the adversary. He says, your adversary, the devil. So Satan is your enemy. I wish the Bible never said that. As a, see, he's describing his aggression towards you. He says, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may. You think you are safe. You are someone's died. He's seeking whom he may devour. So number one adversary is the devil. You may know who you are in Christ, but that does not cancel the enmity and the hatred the devil has for you. Satan does not just hate Christians. He hates men. Any human being is hated by the devil. I'm telling you. But that's for another time. So your number one enemy is who? The devil. Number two is the world. The world. The world. So the world is your second enemy. James chapter 4, the verse 4. Now watch this. He says, ye adulteress and adulteresses. Now, that word in context was um, a word used to describe people who are flirting with other things other than God. So it was not just adultery as the act. These people were fellowshipping with something that was not God. They had idols. And anything that comes in the way of God or takes the place of God in your heart is an idol and it's not just idol worship but it's adultery. You are flirting with something else. That's not God. 
So he says, ye adulteresses and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is what? Enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world. The word friend there is to be fond of the person. There are people who are fond of the world. So he says to be fond of the world, which is the world systems. It's not talking about dress. It's not saying don't, don't buy a car. It's not saying don't, don't build. What he's saying is that to be friendly with the world is to be friendly with the world system that you must have before you become relevant. It's a system of the world. Your happiness is in what you have. It's a system of the world. The movies that we watch today has been designed by the world to be a system that governs our lives. So today there are people who are living in their marriage lives by what they watch on TV. It's a world system. I know my right. It's a world system. So he says, friendship with the world is, he says, whoever wants to be, whoever will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The word enemy there means an opposer of the things of God. The moment you become fond of the world system, that act will oppose the things of God in your life. It will pose it. So the world is your second enemy. Your third enemy. It, this is the closest enemy. It's called the flesh. I'm teaching on consequences of sin. But look at where I'm coming from. Because I want to help you understand. I'm not coming to tell you I'm teaching you some of these technicalities that will help you to walk above sin. Are you seeing this? So, your third enemy is what? The flesh. Now, look at um, Romans chapter 8, the verse 6. He says, for to be carnally minded, that means to be fleshly minded, is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Next verse. He says, because the carnal mind, that means to be fleshly, is what? enmity against God. So your flesh is an enemy. In Romans chapter, in Galatians chapter 5, the verse 17, now watch something there. The Bible says, for the flesh. You see, it is very difficult to describe the flesh. Very difficult to describe the flesh. But the best you can give it is number one the part of you that opposes the things of God in your life or the part of you that resists God so anytime you have to pray and laziness takes over is the flesh because it just opposed you from talking to Jesus anytime your anger takes over you and you don't have control it is the flesh the flesh is your ego. It's called self. I'm still describing it. Your flesh is called self. Self. That's how come the, the seat of the flesh is selfishness. Every sin a man commits is selfish. 
So the flesh is called self. So he says, for the flesh lasted. The word lasted, it, it means it, it, it was. Let's see if we can have another version, maybe NLT. No, we're looking at 17. Is it 18 or 17? Is it 18? Look, he says the sinful nature wants to do evil. So it's the part of you that wants to do evil. You can define it again. The flesh is the part of you that wants to do evil. Give me Amplified. Look, he says, for the desires of the flesh. So, another word for flesh is desire or lusts. So, I'm helping you understand the flesh more. Desires. That's how we, we have the works of the flesh. So, the flesh itself is the part of you that desires things that is not godly. Is, is the part of you that has the tendency of becoming licentious. Is the part of you that doesn't want you to serve God successfully. So, he says, for the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. So, every believer must understand there's an ongoing battle. And anytime you give in to the flesh, you actually mute the influence of the Holy Ghost in your life. You mute it. So he says the desires of the flesh are opposed to the Holy Spirit. So it is very difficult to have the influence of the Holy Ghost when you begin to give in constantly to sin. It's very difficult for the Holy Ghost to direct your life. He says, and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. Godless human nature. So another word for the flesh is godless human nature. There is a part inside you that doesn't love God. And it's unfortunate. It, it was sin that did that transfer. And as long as we are in this world and we have not been fully redeemed spirit, soul, and body, your flesh will always be in the way of the purposes of God in your life. If you give in to sin, it is simply because you gave in to the flesh. So he says, for these, for these are antagonistic to each other continually withstanding and in conflict with each other so that you are not free but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. Having to realize the desire in you wants to serve God but there is something in you that resists you. It's called the flesh. So it is not every sin that was demonic. It always begins from giving in to your last. So in James chapter 1 verse 13, the Bible tells us, first of all, how sin begins to destroy a man's life. He says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. 
for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. So anytime you are tempted, God is saying he's not the one responsible. Look at the next verse. He says, but every man, so you, your story is not different. Every man, every man, including women, of course. But every man is what? Tempted when he is drawn away of his own, own lust. And is enticed. Who pressed play on that movie? You know, sometimes they can write on the movie, highly sensual. You look at it and you blink your eye. Yeah, approved by the flesh. <laughs> Who downloaded that pornography on the phone? A spirit did that. <laughs> you see, you can't give your phone to anybody. Bring down your nose mask. Let me talk to you. When you give your phone to somebody, every one second, you're just watching. When he says, go and buy something for me, you just can't go. You can't go because after one minute, the things the person will see, say, then you just go and you come back. Are you done? I, I'm not done. I just want to see a few of your pictures. Hey, Radhi, this way. Radhi, this way. You see, you, you can't give your phone to anybody. Only you, your, your password is, is the code of Ghana. The whole code. <laughs> 2, 1, Q, Y, E, W, 2585, 2, 4, 8, 9, dot. Hashtag. And you have added a pattern. One of them is your left thumb. One is your right leg. <laughs> So before anyone gains access, you know, it's like those, your life is hidden with Christ in God. They have to enter into different chambers to get access. That's what Bonnie can do. <laughs> That's what Bonnie can do. Of his own last and he's enticed. Who called that lady to come and visit you? The Holy Ghost. Who prepared the bed? <laughs> I, I want to go into details. I'm going deeper. <laughs> Who spread the room? so much that you you don't you forget the word of god and the holy ghost is a silent talker he says son where you are going is wrong but your last can sound so loud guys god is not in the thunder he's not in the lightning he's in the still small voice that is how come it's easy to miss his voice so easy 
Look at the next verse. He says, then when last it has conceived. So you can conceive it. There are many of you who have, who have, who have become, who have incubated. And they have been impregnated with lust. And they cooked it. And look, he says, it, when lust has conceived, it bringeth forth. So you can conceive lust, but lust will not bet lust. Lust will bet sin. He says, it bringeth forth what? Sin. And when sin, and when sin is finished, bring it for what? Death. That's destruction. So the three enemies in your life that will always oppose your work with God is the devil, the world, and your flesh. In 1 John chapter 2, the verse 15, John warns us as a church. He says, do not love the world. In other words, don't be fond of the world systems. Listen, the world systems have been designed to desensitize you. Look at the movies we are watching today. This week I was relaxing from my 40 days. So I was watching some few movies on Netflix. It wasn't easy for me. You have to do forwarding. You have to do pausing. You have to cut things in your life. How? <laughs> Praise God. So they will act a movie and they will make one of the interesting characters a gay or a lesbian. And they will design it in such a way that though you don't accept it as a godly practice, the way the character will act, you fall in love with the, with the, with the character. And you love the guy is a gay, but I just love how he acts. Ah, it's a system. And soon you will start comforting with that activity. That's called desensitization. It's a world system. So you watch a movie and you find people cheating in the movie. And it becomes so normal. And because of how the characters are, you just like them despite the fact that they are cheating on their wives and their husbands. So you just love the way the movie goes. And soon, you are desensitized. And what is happening is that something is cooking inside you. Every, every movie you watch influences you without knowing. Because it's an information. I've told you. The Bible tells us where the warfare begins. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not man-made, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Then he says, casting down imaginations. So movies gives you images. That becomes imaginations. So the world systems. So he says, love not the world. The Bible is teaching us how to deal with the world system. He says, neither the things that are in the world for if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is difficult to love God. It's very difficult to love God when you become fond of this world system. If you have a friend who does not see anything wrong with fornication, get ready. 
you have a friend who does not see anything wrong with deciding not to talk to people and living in unforgiveness. Friends who influence you to live in unforgiveness. Friends who influence you to drink alcohol and they tell you it's 2%. Be careful because you are soon walking gradually somewhere. See, the devil is patient with you. You don't know. He can build it gradually because he wants you to remain there for long. So he sows a seed that grows gradually. So he first begins with some nice Nigerian movie that you found, you found people in that movie or that series breaking their virginity just like that. Now watch my face. <laughs> so now, you see, you start to build, the, you see, you start to convince yourself because you now, the desires are already growing and the movie is encouraging you. So you think you were just watching a movie. No, you were massaging your last to get prepared. But you see, many Christians are not spiritually tactical. Everything goes. They are not alert. He says, the verse 16, for all that is in the world, the last of the flesh, the last of the eyes. So what you watch with these eyes can influence your life negatively. What you watch with your eyes can influence you negatively. So you must be strict to yourself. If you want to overcome pornography, there is a process. What you watch is what you feast on. You are feeding these eyes with something. It's called the last of the eyes. They came to the last of the flesh. Then he came to the pride of life. He says, it's not of the father, but it's of what? The world. It's not of the father. It's of what? The world. I hope I'm helping somebody. Are you sure? You are too silent for my liking. It's working, eh? So listen to me. I'm teaching on the consequences of sin. We don't stop sinning by accident. You need to write this down. It's a deliberate decision and intention we make when we are fully subdued and consumed by God's word and spirit. Let me repeat that. We don't stop sinning by accident. It's a deliberate decision and intention we make when we are fully subdued and consumed by God's word and his spirit. You don't stumble into holiness. You walk in holiness. So you have a responsibility. Don't be a careless Christian. Saying, God, I don't know why I'm not stopping this thing. What are you doing to your spiritual life first of all? 
Because the Bible has given us the keys. Jesus said to us, he says, pray lest you enter into temptation. Let me look for that verse for you. It's in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 22, the verse 40. He says, and the verse 40. 40, 40. Now look, he says, when he was at the place, he said to them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. So, one of the ways of avoiding temptation is prayer. So, if you are battling with a challenge here and you don't have a prayer life, you are in trouble. He says, pray that you enter not into temptation. That means if Jesus taught them, that means that was, that was what he practiced. Many of you think Jesus was acting like a spirit when he was walking. He was fully man, fully God. Every feeling you have today, Jesus had that same feeling. You are tired, he's tired. You eat, Jesus ate. You know, many of you think that when Jesus was growing up, he was like a spirit being. And Mary said, Jesus, come. Says, and Jesus come and said, Luz rafring in the sushi. Shinana, shinana. Then Jesus turns and moves like this. The man said, Jesus, who coin? He said, Pisha. You know, that's how many people think Jesus was. Like he was some spirit. Jesus was a man. He was what? Full man. If, if, if he was not fully man, he could not fully be a representative of man to die for man. So every temptation that you go through, Jesus encountered it. But Jesus gave us the key. He says, pray lest you enter into it. So one of the keys to temptation, to dealing with temptation is prayer. That's like every believer must have a prayer life. I love Leonard Ravenhill. He said a sinning man will stop praying and a praying man will stop sinning. Anytime you, you have a prayer life, now you are so conscious of certain things. Because you know that you are going back to, into prayer the next day. You can't consider doing certain things anymore. David showed us another secret in Psalm 119, verse 9. He taught us the way. Listen, you are responsible for what you are going through. I'm telling you. He says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You want to deal with lust. How many scriptures on lust do you have to start studying and meditating on? You are not responsible. Because you think that the Holy Ghost will just appear to you in one dream and say, my son, you are free from lust. <sighs> Rise up. When you wake up in the morning, it is over. I wish. We cannot do that. We cannot say, God, take it away from you. We cannot do that. It doesn't work that way. He's teaching us. He says, by taking heed, that means you must be obedient to the word of God. Look at the verse 11. Another secret. He says, 
the verse 11 thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee am I helping you Thank you, Holy Spirit. So there are three things we do to these enemies. With the devil, you resist him. How do you resist the devil? You resist the devil like Jesus did. It is written. It is written. You know, many of you think spiritual warfare is, you know, the Kumawood kind of spiritual battle that we see, Right? So people throw powers. Pew. This one to throw powers. Pew. Then there'll be a light. Then one will hold the Bible like this. Then they, he uses it to block the powers like this. Poof. Then he'll get up like this. GBA. Poof. You know? Then the powers will go. Then the one who is having the Bible will win. Then the demon will vanish as a serpent. Please, we are not in Kuma wood. This is gospel wood. It doesn't work that way. So there are people who are clapping, killing Satan after prayer meeting. By the time they go get home, they are forgotten that the warfare is still chasing them. There's a mindset the enemy has built. It's part of the warfare. And it's the word. It is what? The word. You resist the devil with it is written. Jesus had the devil come to him. You know, sometimes we may be thinking that the devil appeared to Jesus physically. Not really so. If you study some commentaries, they will tell you it was something that went on in the mind because the warfare itself is in the mind. So the devil was appealing to Jesus. If you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. He took him upstairs. And quoted the scripture. It is written, He shall give his angels charge over Jesus, throw yourself over, and angels will save you. Wasn't it the word of God? Satan quoted scripture. And Jesus said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. So, listen, even with the word, if you are not careful, the enemy can twist the scriptures for you to use it to satisfy your flesh. Then he showed him all the kingdoms of this world. He says, Bow down to me, and I'll give it to you because it was given to me. And Jesus says, thou shalt worship only the Lord your God. So that's how you resist it. The Bible says the devil left for a season. So that's how you resist the devil. With the word of God. So a wordless believer will find trouble for himself. I'm telling you, when envy begins to crawl Gradually, what scripture are you going to use? What revelation do you have? Or maybe sometimes you think pastors are spirits. There are so many tendencies to walk in envy that comes to me every single time. But we have built the word of God in us, and we are able to resist with the word of God. 
bitter with people. Unforgiveness. Ah! You know, there are some of the keys the enemy uses because those things helps to open the door for him. You know, if you are having an enemy and the enemy has a fortified city, what you must do is to get another enemy inside so he can open the gate from inside for you. So the enemy knows you have built your prayer life. So he just has to use anger or unforgiveness to enter. When he enters, unforgiveness opens the door. Then he can come in for the distraction. Am I helping somebody here? So you resist the devil. Number two, you unfriend the world. You know you can unfriend someone on Facebook. Unfriend the world. And number three, subdue the flesh. My father was a womanizer. So, I realized that I'm also beginning to love women. What has your father's womanizing got to do with your current womanizing? You have just built a system. You just want to be irresponsible. That's what you're doing. You just want to be irresponsible. Because if you truly walk in the word, bad things of your family shouldn't affect you. My father came from a polygamous family because most of his relatives married two, three. My father is married to one. Because he walked in the word of God. It's that simple. Stop giving blames. Stop giving excuses. To be responsible. Am I, am I helping somebody? Tell somebody, don't give excuses. Be responsible with the word of God. Listen, if you begin taking your spiritual life more seriously, there are certain things that will stop automatically. Hallelujah. Let me do this in five minutes. So we need to understand that though the believer is eternally secured, though the believer is forgiving of his sin, we need to understand that sin is still destructive. And this is the import of my message. I'm ending with this. Sin is still destructive. Sin is what? Still destructive. Are you forgiving? Yes. Does Jesus condemn you? No. Because there is none therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God. And my actions don't change my identity in Christ. But listen. Sin still has terrible consequences. And I still say it. You can be born again now. Holy Ghost filled. Don't talking believer. Righteous believer. Just go out. Snatch a woman's handbag and try running. Aren't you born again? You are. Aren't you filled with the Holy Ghost? You are. Aren't you speaking in tongues? You are. But try it. You'll be speaking in tongues into death. 
here. They will lynch you and lunch you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So sin itself has consequences. And some of them are terrible. Are you following this thing? Are you sure this thing is helping you? So I, I said to you the other time, there are two things you do with the gospel. Number one, you believe it. Number two, you behave it. So we do two things to the gospel. We believe it, number one. Number two, we behave it. So you do the word of God. You obey God's word. So what God's word has said about sin, you don't trivialize it. And the New Testament speaks about sin even more than the Old Testament. Because we see more stories in the Old Testament. We see more realities and explanations in the New Testament about sin. More than in the Old Testament. So sin is destructive. Sin is selfish. Sin is cunning. Sin is ugly. It begins softly. Subtly. Silently. It's like a cancer. Then it begins to spread. Sin is like a credit card. You may enjoy it temporarily, but you pay later. Praise God. The fact that you have insured your car does not mean you should go and crash it to receive a new car. Maybe you may not survive the accident. Just like we have been insured by the blood of Jesus. That doesn't guarantee us that we can go and mess up. You know, some people, they have pre-planned their sin. They say, I'm already forgiven you. So God, you understand. The fact that you have insured your car, that's not me. You should crash it deliberately. No. I remember one time, I was invited for a buffet. It was lunch at Alisa Hotel. So I went there and I saw the buffet. I lost my faith. This is real buffet. It's not a buffet you have been eating in your house with one fish and uh, we bread at the so. No, it's not a fried egg that you you just no no. This is real buffet. Salad, no, you have different types. Salad creams they have they have salad cream that is uh, lemon green, salad cream that is pink. You see, I'm looking at my face. Chicken, different different types. Rice, yellow rice, fried rice, jollof rice. Name the rice. Everything is there. I saw the thing. I was just going gaga. I was like, my goodness. Lord, I'm confused. I've lost my faith. <laughs> and, I, you know, I saw these white guys. You know, it was, pre, it was paid for me. So, when you go there, you can't bring food out. But you can eat any food there. And I said, maybe Pierre Bano. Then I'm confident in the flesh. I saw these white guys and some of these rich men. They just go with a saucer. They just put some salad. I said, you don't know. <laughs> I'm here for war. <laughs> I'm not here to joke. Look at what you people are doing. You have this chance. You have paid close to 200 Ghana cities. Not me. So they'll just take it. One chicken. They just take it. And they're eating with fork. And they're sitting down. And they're happy. And they take their drink. I was wondering why they were happy. Because you can't pay 200 Ghana cities and do this. Then I took the first big bowl. 
And the chicken, I took every kind of chicken. Fish, I took every kind of fish. Salad, I wanted to mix all the three salad creams in it. So I heaped the bowl like this. I couldn't even carry it. It was a bedding. And I was just going. And I started looking at the food. And I look at the people who are eating there. And how they were watching me. <laughs> but now, it, it, it was now because I had liberty to eat any food. But now I was concerned. Why? Because this thing, all these things entering into my system will not help me health-wise. So I began to think, though I was free to eat everything there, now I was now concerned about what I'm eating. So I just went back and I dropped certain things and I was left with something small and I went and I went to eat. And the Lord was teaching me about liberty in Christ. You are free. You are free. You have liberty in Christ. But your liberty still has restrictions. Not because of condemnation, but because of concern. You are concerned about your spiritual health. I give you another example the other time. I was driving at a top speed. I love driving very fast. So it was one dawn. I was coming for service. So there was no car on the way. So you know, there's freedom, right? And my car is about maybe 180, almost 200. So she said, Mitya Sopaha. And the thing was moving very fast. And the air was blowing on me very nicely. So I moved 120, 140. The car was going like that. And at a point, I know that the limit there is 180. And there was more space to go. But at the point in time, I was thinking of my son. And my wife. And LGCC. And I said, Oh, yeah, baby. If a tanker comes to pass, I'll be in trouble. And one, I'm only about 80. <laughs> at least I'm going to church at dawn. I'm not rushing with anybody, so let me just move. And I came with the 80 buckle. Now, didn't I have liberty to go 200? Because the liberty is dead. The accelerator is the liberty. But at the point, I was now concerned about my wife, my kids, my future, my destiny, and you. So I, I stopped. There are some things you stop because you are concerned about your relationship with Jesus. You are concerned about the people your life has influenced. There are some of you, you brought certain people to LGCC. Now you are concerned because your life can discourage them. Your life can take them out of the ministry. Your life can take them out of the faith. I've heard of people who left the faith because they heard the man or the woman that helped them to grow spiritually has given up in his faith. Or has fallen into sin. So listen, there are people looking up to you. You can't mess up. You have liberty, but you have restrictions. That's how you deal with sin. So next week, I'll talk about the consequences of sin proper. The Lord bless you. Lift your voice and begin to thank him.